Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Hey guys, this is Russ, and this is the Overlook Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the disappearance of Nancy Branch. Nancy Branch is a Black woman missing from Santa Barbara, California. Nancy is a Stanford University graduate, and at the time of her disappearance, she was on an airplane with her partner and two friends. Her partner's name is Kevin Clark, and the two friends she was with was Alan Stewart and his wife, Amy Haxton Stewart. Alan and Amy were actually newlyweds. They had only been married for about six weeks when they all disappeared. Now, on December the 6th, 1992, the two couples were heading back from a weekend vacation in Santa Barbara. They boarded a single-engine airplane and departed from the Santa Barbara airport. They were flying to Palo Alto, California. Now, when the plane took off, the weather was not ideal. In fact, before the pilot took off, he contacted the Cali FAA flight service station to get feedback on the weather. And they basically told him that the weather was treacherous and it was only supposed to get worse. The couples decided to take off anyways. It's reported that one of the couples really wanted to get back in time to get a Christmas tree for the holiday season. After about eight minutes into the flight, communication with the aircraft came to a halt. Now, there was no indication of trouble. Nobody said mayday or said anything was wrong. But the plane and the couples on board were never seen or heard from again. Now, there's a little bit of confusion about who was flying this plane. Most sources I came across said that authorities weren't sure who was flying the plane at the time of the disappearance. However, I did come across a couple of comments on different forums where people have claimed they were able to look into pilot licenses and they were able to find that Kevin was the one who actually had a pilot license. However, I have not been able to verify this. I tried looking it up, but I came across a couple of blocks, but I will say a few different users have alluded to the fact that they were able to find that Kevin was the one who had a pilot license. Now, here's the thing with this case. It's not a lot of information out there. In fact, what I already given you is pretty much 90% of the information that has been put out there. And it's a bit odd because that's not a lot of information. But even odder than that is that when you come across this case, you'll find Nancy Branch has her own missing persons page, her own articles, and all of those pages and articles missing inform you that she was on this flight with three other people. However, there's really almost no information on the other three passengers. I can't even find missing person pages for the other three passengers. Even with sources and sites that normally once you have one missing person who went missing with others, they usually just link the other cases. But 
I did not find any source that linked to any of the other three passengers, missing person case or anything. All I could find about the other passengers was that, again, Alan, Amy, they were married. They had only been married for about six weeks and they were actually planning to go on their honeymoon and just a few weeks after their trip. They had planned to go to South Africa sometime in January. Now, Kevin, Nancy's partner, all I can find about him is that he was her partner. They met at work. They were both originally from the UK and that he enjoyed things like traveling, scuba diving, and playing racquetball, all which were things that articles say Nancy enjoyed as well. But that's about it. And people find this weird, and rightfully so. It's very odd that four people went missing at a time, and you have this focus on one person, but almost nothing at all about the other three. Now, once the plane disappeared, authorities launched an extensive investigative search and rescue operation, but they found no evidence of a plane crash. The plane, nor the passengers, were ever found. At one point in time, they received a tip that the plane crashed somewhere near the Big Basin area of Cali, but they found nothing there when they did a search. A Facebook page that reported on missing aircraft search teams. It's called the Missing Aircraft Search Team, M-A-S-T, and you can find them on Facebook, and they covered this case. Now, in their write-up, I did find more information about the flight and just a tad bit more information about the individuals on this flight. Now, from this page, it said that the pilot was advised not to fly, but that they insisted that they had to go on. Now, this page, they said that the pilot did not file a flight plan, which will explain why there was confusion about where exactly to look for them. According to this page, no one knew they were missing, until the couples did not show up for work the next afternoon on December the 7th. A search was not conducted until December the 8th. Now, they conducted multiple searches, and this includes two different routes that people usually took from Santa Barbara to Palo Alto. One was along the coastal area, and the other one was from Monterey over to Salinas Valley, north of San Jose. Now, there was flight teams, but there was also ground teams that reached out and interviewed different beach residents between Galeta and Santa Barbara for any type of clues or leads. But unfortunately, during the time they were searching, there was a lot of fog and that kind of interfered with search efforts, according to this Facebook post. Now, one thing I did find interesting is this particular post said that the employers of the couples, implying that the couples both worked at the same place, leased the aircraft to help with search efforts and that this aircraft had infrared technology. Now, apparently this aircraft detected an object floating near the surface of the ocean off the shore of Jamala Beach. But when officials came out to investigate, they could not locate this object. On December 10th, Dive teams were sent out, but they also could not find anything. But in the post, it is noticed that an unknown substance was found 
washed ashore on Jamala Beach. However, it was never concluded if this substance was related to the plane that was carrying our missing persons or not. Now, there is a little bit more information that talked about a possible wreckage being spotted. However, it's kind of unclear if that wreckage was related to the case or not. Because I have not seen anyone mention this in any other place, I'm going to assume that it was not related. But I will say that the search efforts for this missing plane and these missing couples continued on until December the 20th. According to the Missing Aircraft Search Team Facebook page, they exhausted all efforts that they could. Now, this page does go on to say that at the time, this disappearance did make its rounds in the news and family actually came forward to appeal to the public for any information. If they saw anything, they heard anything, if they were on the beach and something weird kind of washed up ashore, but it does not feel like anything came of this. It's reported that several witnesses did come forward and say that they saw a low-flying aircraft over the hills of Hollister Ranch and Jamala Beach. However, no one was ever able to verify this. And when searches went out of look, again, they found nothing. Though it should be noted, another plane went missing around the same area in April of that same year. This particular Facebook post said over 100,000 square miles of ocean and land were searched. And people wonder, okay, but how long can a plane be hidden if have a very specific area of where to look? It's not like the plane flew around the world and crashed somewhere. We know they were coming from Santa Barbara to Palo Alto. That should give you a pretty general basis of where to look. But here's the thing. There is vast amounts of wilderness, of unoccupied land between those two places. And they lost contact eight minutes into their flight. Now, here's the thing. Just because they lost contact eight minutes into their flight does not mean that that's when they crash. And actually, some social media users who claim to have piloting experience or work somewhere in the field say that it's not uncommon. You might use the radio, talk to someone and say, you know, this is where we're going and then have periods of dead time because you don't necessarily need to talk to them. So, the fact of the matter is, we don't even know how far into their trip they got. We know they got at least eight minutes, but they could have crashed right after, or they could have went for another 20, 30 minutes. But unfortunately, we don't know. And the information I gave you is all the information that we have about the case, at least online. Now, online, there are two leading theories about what exactly happened in this case. And the first theory is that, well, yeah, the plane crashed. Now, most people believe the plane probably crashed somewhere somewhere over water, but others believe that there's a chance it crashed it on a land and we just have never found the plane. Now, when it comes to the water crash, one thing that I think is kind of important to mention is that Big Basin Redwood State Park area where the police searched, where they got that tip, that area is only about 30 miles away from water, the Monterey Bay, for example. Now, many have speculated that based on where the plane took off and where they were going, that there really wasn't a need for the plane to fly over water. And this is why some people really focus in on there being a possible land crash, because to them, they figured if you can go straight and the shortest way from takeoff to your destination is over land, why not go over land? But here's the thing, it's not exactly that black and white. 
One, we're being told that the weather was treacherous and was only going to get worse. There's a chance that they cannot fly over land due to the weather. And also keep in mind, certain areas that they might've been flying over had mountains. It may have been safer for them due to bad weather to fly over the water versus flying over the mountains due to this being a small single engine plane. Ah, now again, several individuals in a particular Reddit thread have claimed to have knowledge of piloting and they have commented regarding this case. And a lot of the people who claim to be pilots are working that field pretty much believe that, yeah, the plane probably crashed. They have cited everything from the weather to the type of plane that was being flown and the possible inexperience of the pilot as a very dangerous combination for a whole host of reasons. Now, one user pointed out that small aircrafts used to get lost en route very commonly in the 90s, especially when turbulent weather was present. Now, this user went on to explain in a very long post, which I won't even pretend that I fully understood. But one thing that I digress on to is that they said in the 90s, the GPS on these type of small aircrafts weren't the best. They were handheld and they were very, very expensive. And it was very common for people to get lost. A lot of times pilots would need to use the radio to kind of navigate their way, especially in bad weather. But as we know, this aircraft lost connection and was unable to communicate with anyone after being in the air for eight minutes. Now, that particular user went into explanation of why they did not believe that they crashed in the Big Basin area. They said that they were very skeptical on this because that was so far away and they were only eight minutes into the flight. And this user speculated that they more than likely crashed somewhere in the Raphael Mountains. And quite frankly, if we look outside of that, finding a crash site, whether it's on land or in water, could be like finding a needle in a haystack. I mean, if we're talking about a crash in the ocean, uh, one, not knowing the exact location where the plane might have went down creates all types of issues because not even talking about the depths of the ocean, we're also dealing with the currents. The plane could have crashed in one place and the currents could have carried the debris off to a completely different area far away from where it crashed. The fact of the matter is, this might actually be a case where we might never get a verified answer to what happened, especially now, now, almost 30 years later. And unfortunately, the same might be able to be said for a land crashing, because again, it's a chance they flew over areas that are really remote. And if they crash in a treacherous mountainous area, that most people don't have access to, there's a chance that whatever was left is far gone by now. And there's a chance that these theories will just remain theories. Now, there is another theory that I did come across. This is a theory of time portals, portals in general. Now, I know what you're thinking. This sounds a bit out there, but hear me out nonetheless. This is a theory that's mentioned a little bit. People have wondered if, you know, something more mystical has happened to the plane. People find it odd that there's so little information about this case and absolutely nothing has been found all these years later. 
No one has come across a plane wing somewhere on a trail. Nobody has seen an engine just lightly floating in the water or anything. And some people have wondered, did they get sucked into a time portal? Now, here's the thing. I have heard of time portals. I just was not exactly sure what they are. I'm like, okay, I feel like this is something you hear about in like various fiction genres. And when I looked it up, that's exactly how it was explained. Like, oh, this is something you'll hear about in various fictional genres. But basically what they are is a doorway into a, another time or maybe a completely different place. Kind of picture a sci-fi film or book where there's this big black circle and once you go in, you are no longer seen in this world or this time. And at first when I came across this, I was kind of like, okay, why why are we going there? <laughs> this is a small plane that disappeared. Unfortunately, small planes disappear sometimes. However, what I found is that people kind of went with this theory because they find the whole case, not just the plane disappearing, but the case as a whole, very odd. Kind of like I talked about earlier, there's a lot of people that think that it's odd that Nancy is the only person that you will find information on on this case. In fact, usually when you find information on this case, it's because you came across Nancy's name. But everybody else is kind of getting footnotes in this story. And you can't find missing person cases on them. You don't find their obituaries anywhere. And you can't even find pictures of them online. Now, don't get me wrong, you don't find a lot of information about Nancy, but she at least has her own missing persons page in the picture, but nobody else does. And people find that really odd. And I'm not going to lie, I do too. But there's some that take this oddness and they kind of go down this whole conspiracy theory rabbit hole. But here's the thing, the rabbit hole actually doesn't go that far. You'll kind of hear these theories blurted out there in one or two sentences, but no one actually gets that in depth. And I think some of that is because, again, there's just not a lot of information, not even about Nancy. Now, on that missing aircraft search team's page, they did say is that all four people on the plane, Nancy, Kevin, Amy, Alan, they were all workers in the Silicon Valley, and they posted a substantial reward for any information leading to their recovery. And they were like, ah, and they worked in the Silicon Valley, and they were doing this thing, and they had this business there working on fitting something, and then they disappear. But that's not the case here, or at least not that we know of, because here's the thing, we just really don't have a lot of information on Nancy and almost no information on the other three involved. But Still, it causes some people to pause and kind of just side-eye the story. One of my favorite comments that I came across when looking up this case simply said, mm, the vibes are just off. And they were right. <laughs> the vibes are kind of off. But here's something I want us to keep in mind. When it comes to small cases that didn't get a lot of play in the media, that happened before the mid-2000s, there just tends to be a lack of information. And a lack of information online does not mean that there's a lack of information out there. It just means the information is simply not on the internet. And I've come across this before, of cases where online, these people are virtually invisible. You have a paragraph in a news article here, maybe 10 sentences at most. But that's it. But on the other side of that, 
I have those cases where I have talked to the family members of those missing people and they'll tell you, no, they do have a missing person case. This is the detective working with them. This is what was going on before. This is what was happening in our life beforehand. The information just simply did not make its way to the internet. So it's something I ask that we do keep in mind with this case, just because we don't necessarily have the information doesn't mean that information doesn't exist or it's not out there. We got to remember, this was 1992. People weren't just going on the internet and putting their family members' information saying, please help us find them. Even with news articles, there's a chance that there were a couple news articles on this case back when it happened, but the news articles weren't made virtual, and so we cannot find it. There very well may be a load of information on this file that's sitting somewhere in an investigation office, but as for now, no one can say for certain what happened to Nancy Branch, Kevin Clark, Alan Stewart, or Amy Hexton Stewart. But if by any chance you have any information whatsoever on this case, I ask that you reach out to the Menlo Park Police Department at 650-858-3317. I will have a picture of Nancy and the number up on my Instagram. You can go and follow me there at the overlook underscore podcast. Now that's all the information that I have for today. I will have a new episode for you guys on November 20th. That's all for now. As always, stay safe, stay vigilant, and you hear the sound of my voice with a new episode in two weeks. Thanks. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.